Hi, I'm Marika and welcome to Money Chill Out. On this podcast, I want to dive into the world of the often unspoken topic of money. Effective personal finance management can be a great liberator, but also a huge stress factor in our lives. After a 10-year career on trading flows in London, I want to help demystify the intimidating world of finance and have an open, honest and frank conversation. By opening the discussion, I wish you identify yourself, learn, be inspired and get empowered. Every other week, I'll be joined by guests for conversation on money, mindsets, investment habits and any best practices they abide by. So join me on this journey as we unpick the complexities of finance and get more comfortable talking about our money. And when you're ready to go further in mastering your finances, come and work with me on a one-to-one coaching. You'll grow your awareness, move on with your projects, and have an accountability buddy to track your progress. Today, I'm very pleased to welcome Anthony Carlton to the show. Growing up in Twin Cities, Minnesota, before settling in Chicago, is a certified financial planner and vice president in a fintech wealth firm. He helps people in tech become smart investors and he's super active on LinkedIn, posting every day about money. That's how we met. So hi, Anthony, how are you? I'm good. So I'm super happy to have you on this podcast. So thanks for your time. And I'm super excited about today's subject about the modern financial planning. So can you tell us a bit about your background and how did you make it to wealth management? Yeah. And first of all, thank you for having me on. I'm having more people who reach out to me on LinkedIn, and these are always fun conversations to have. So my background is lots of ups and downs and side-to-side movements, but I started to get interested in investing and personal finance right around 20 or 21. I was in college at the time and was thinking ahead about my life and all of the exciting things I wanted to do and figuring out how to fund that. And investing was just something that I became interested in because of the ability to use your money and turn it into more money without doing a whole lot. And then I eventually decided to start studying finance and accounting in school and taking the finance career path, just kind of took the opportunities that were in front of me. So I was a bank teller in college and honestly learned a ton about money, just interacting with customers at the bank every day for a couple of years. So that was my start in finance. And then, yeah, I worked for a bank for a little bit in their fixed income department. Super interesting. I worked with a lot of people who were much smarter than me. PhDs in (laughs) economics. And so I got to absorb a lot of things around the market and how interest rates impact your ability to invest. And then eventually decided that I wanted to work with individuals and do something that would allow me to be more entrepreneurial. And yeah, landed at a really good firm in Chicago, working with ultra high net worth business owners and seeing really complex their clients just had a lot going on, a lot of investments, different businesses. So that was a couple of years where I was just totally immersed in working with clients, building financial plans, investment portfolios, and then eventually decided that I wanted to go off and do my own thing. 
So I consulted in fintech for a little bit. I, I tried to launch a coaching business that was unsuccessful, but ultimately helped me find what I'm doing now at Farther, which Farther is a really the first of its kind wealth management platform where I, as an advisor, get to find the clients who I think I'm best fit to work with. Usually they're 20s, 30s, high earners working in tech. And Farther has the tools and technology and investment options to really help me build my clients' financial plans and give them the right advice. So yeah, that's sort of my journey to where I'm at right now. That's fun. That's super cool. And you're often referring to modern financial planning. So can you explain a bit what it includes and, and how is it different to the old way? Yeah, that's a great question. Well, a lot of the people I'm working with are hiring a financial advisor for the first time. And these people who are in their late 20s, early 30s, 40s, they grew up with a different perspective around money because of some of these new tools and investment options like cryptocurrency and basically personal finance and how people are managing their money has changed so much over the last five to 10 years that now these people who are working with an advisor for the first time are trying to figure out how to put together a plan and looking for guidance from advisors like me on how to do that. So coming up through my education, I learned a lot about the traditional financial planning, which on the investment and retirement side could mean putting the right amount of money in your retirement accounts, making sure that you're starting to invest early and often, things like Vanguard ETFs and low-cost broad exposure to the stock market, along with some of these other core principles. That to me is the traditional financial planning. And I still do a lot of that. That's at the core of what I help every individual investor do. But there are also these new investment options and new ways to invest and new ways to manage your money. So I find myself in the middle of modern finance and where it's going and the traditional financial planning and really trying to bridge the gap for people who want a little bit of both. Because I think as technology continues to make its way into finance and how people manage their personal finances, it will be as important as ever to understand things like cryptocurrency and how to secure and protect your personal finances from things like cyber attacks and you know all of these new things that are worries i guess just coming up for this generation and the younger generations to come mm -hmm. makes total sense and i like the holistic approach the fact that you mix both and what kind of person are you with your own personal finances yeah well almost everyone i work with is at a similar stage in life to me. So I, I like that. I like being able to think from my own perspective and what tools I use and how I invest my money. I, of course, recommend financial advice and investments based on somebody's risk tolerance and goals and all of these things that are personal to them. But I think being around the same age and going through the same things in life 
helped me a lot. And so I'm constantly sharing what I'm doing in my own personal finances in writing on LinkedIn and conversations with people. So yeah, the way that I think about building long-term wealth and investing is that balance between the core traditional personal finance things that you still want to have as the foundation. So to me, that's having some sort of system. Some people call it a budget that tells your money where to go. So of course, having to pay your bills and having to invest and put away money for tomorrow, but also carving out the things that you care about today and that you want to spend on today. Travel is important to me. Going and getting a cup of coffee is you know, something I enjoy and a new pair of running shoes. So I, I have things that I spend my money on, a few things that I, you know, are, are big to me, but then the rest, I'm fairly frugal. So I have these systems in place where I know how much is going towards investments and savings versus how much is going towards my lifestyle and bills. So that's the foundation for me. Yeah, it's a lot of awareness, basically. You know what you like, how you want to spend your money, and then the rest. Yeah, investing. Love that. Just to add to that, it's funny because people, whether they're clients or people I'm talking to on LinkedIn, who everyone is sort of running around with this question of how should I invest? And they're focused on things like which stock should I pick? or which app should I use? And a lot of the times, what I help people do is to actually take one step back related to what you said, having things that you've carved out and telling your money where to go. That all starts with defining your goals. So when I'm starting out with a client or providing advice to anybody, a lot of the time they will come with questions that I can tell that they have skipped that step of clarifying what their goals are. And once they do that, the confusion around how to invest and how to spend their money dissipates because they have clarity around what matters to them in the short, medium, and long term. So just to add that on there. That's super interesting. Knowing your why is that's one of my <laughs> favorite things. Yeah. Know yourself and then adapt everything so that you perfectly align. So let's kind of do like, um, imagine one of my listeners is one of your prospects. So how would you approach her or him? And if you were to explain your way of doing, what would be the key steps involved in the discussion? Yeah. So when the conversation starts where there's already a level of trust built, even before they've met me, because they have read my articles or LinkedIn posts or listen to a podcast that I've been on, that helps me a lot because I'm not a good fit for everyone. When somebody gets on a phone call with me and is trying to figure out if we're a good fit and what my philosophy is and how I can help them, I'm not talking for probably 80 or 90% of that first call. I'm asking open-ended questions that help me get to know that person. And again, sort of tease out, even if they don't know or haven't clarified tease out what their goals are, because most people are coming with three to five goals, and they might be short, medium, long term, 
So I'm asking these open-ended questions, getting to know them. One of the first questions that I'll ask is, why is now the right time to partner with a financial advisor? Because a lot of the times, if they're reaching out to me and already interested in working with an advisor or interviewing multiple advisors, and I come across their radar, I want to know at what point and what made them decide, I think we should bring somebody in to help us. Because a lot of the times, it's couples who their lives go from easily DIYing their finances to all of a sudden they have a new home and they're growing their family or getting married and getting new jobs. So a lot of the times there's this catalyst event and that will tell me a lot about what they're looking for in terms of a partnership with me. Mm -hmm. And it's super interesting what you said, because you really think it's because of a life event that something triggers and then you need help. So can you tell us what kind of money goals someone have? And there's probably a ton of them, but like the one that you see more common. Yeah, that's, it's so true that people will have multiple goals competing for their paycheck. And if you can help them figure out how much of their paycheck should be going towards each of their goals, that relieves a lot of the stress that is usually around uncertainty. So some of the more common goals and kind of starting with short term and working your way towards long term. The first goal is emergencies, having liquid cash on hand, even if it is going to be eaten by inflation inside of your checking or savings account, it's still the best form of an emergency fund to have cash set aside. So I will help somebody come up with how much cash should you have set aside in this emergency fund? That's the first goal. How much should you have in your emergency fund? And that could be, you never know what it's going to be. I think if someone has kids or a house or car or pets, the more people are relying on you and your income, the higher probability that at some point you might have a five, $10,000 expense, a medical bill, burst pipe in your house. You never know what it's going to be or when it's going to be. So that's, you know, set that money aside. And then you can start moving on to the other goals because really that's the one that's going to protect you the most. Everyone should have that one in place. And yeah, for any of these goals, if I can help them attach a timeline, like how much time do you have before you need the money for this goal? Emergency funds are going to be zero to one year. You know, when you need it, you need it now. And on the medium term side, a lot of times people will want to be buying a home or second home or rental real estate. People love real estate and home purchases are the biggest purchase that they'll ever make. So helping them clarify and bucket out that goal. Almost every one of my clients has either recently bought a home or wants to, or has that as a two to five year time frame goal. So that's another popular one. And then the long-term stuff, financial independence or retirement, those two kind of go hand in hand. You know, you can label it whatever you would like, but at some point far into the future, you will want money to fund your lifestyle. Maybe if your paycheck goes away or, you know, it's 50% of what it was during your working years, 
whatever it is, whatever that looks like for you, you will want lots and lots of money to <laughs> make sure that you can do the things that you want and need. And the long-term goals, really, there are multiple accounts working towards that long-term goal of financial independence. Almost everyone I'm working with, that goal is 10 to 20 plus years out. So that's where we can really start thinking about how to build long-term wealth. And with each of these goals, we can assign different accounts, like the type of accounts that make sense for each one of these goals. You know, For an emergency fund, that might just be like a short-term checking or high-yield savings. Whereas on the other end, for financial independence, you'll want your retirement account and helping you maximize that, that you have through work, as well as outside retirement accounts that might have different tax treatments and different long-term benefits compared to your others. And then this accessible wealth bucket, which is usually the stocks, crypto, or ETF portfolios that are non-retirement investment accounts, but still very much geared towards long-term 10 plus years out. So emergency funds, buying houses and other short to medium-term goals, and then that really big long-term goal of financial freedom, financial independence, retirement. Those are probably the most common, I would say, for people coming in. So what is your advice to make sure you have your goals down? And for me, I'm a really big fan of the serving yourself first approach, which basically means you have automatic transfers to your either investment accounts at the start of the month before paying anyone else, because it's way easier to put the money aside rather than just wait for any money left. Yeah. So first step, clarifying the goals. That step looks like naming what the goal is, kind of like we just did. Emergency fund. I want to buy a house. I want to reach financial independence one day. Maybe they want to save for their kiddos college. So that's step number one. And then if you can attach a timeline to each one of those goals, that will help you figure out how to save or invest for it in terms of how much risk, what types of investments, what type of accounts to use. So after you sort of have those defined, now you can build this system that helps you make progress with all of these goals at once. There is some prioritization. Going through and understanding what's priority number one, two, three, four, and five, that can be helpful to do with the coach because it's not always easy. But after having your goals clearly defined and what the priorities are, like you said, now you can put this system together and use automation, which is basically automatic transfers that are taking your money from your checking account and distributing to these different goal-based accounts that you now have. That's my preferred way to do it. And then because we've established their goals, opened up the right accounts, attached timelines and target amounts, and put the right types of investments in there, we've helped people set up this system. And then in the farther app, we can actually automate everything and write rules that tell people's money where to go according to this plan that we've helped them build. So you can do this on your own. I think the more complex it gets and the more goals and accounts you have, the more reason to work with an advisor. But on your own, goals and 
setting up these systems that will help you make continued progress, these automatic transfers. And then another thing that I like for accountability, if you're doing this on your own, accountability is sometimes the hardest part. So putting a 30-minute money meeting in your calendar, just like any other meeting that you're having, mine are on Fridays, and it can be a quick 30 minutes. And that's where you do things like review your setup and make sure that all of your transfers are happening. In the beginning, if you don't have a setup, then that money meeting could be 30 minutes to define what your financial goals are and figuring out the next step from there. So I like that to have that accountability because even though things are running in the background and automated, um, you still want to keep your personal finances front of mind. And so there's a lot going on, but yes, I'm totally on board with the paying yourself first and automating as much as possible. Mm -hmm. And I love the idea of the accountability buddy too, because sometimes you're going to be motivated, you're going to do lots of things, then then your motivation is going to go down because, I mean, life gets in the way. So every so often you need either a meeting by yourself or even asking like a non-professional, like a friend or someone so that you're sure you're actually going to do what you said you would do because, yeah, you need that rhythm to go forward. So what is the one thing you would say your clients struggle most with or need most advice on? Yeah, that's a great question. Well, I think a lot of people, before they work with a financial advisor or set up a financial plan, they are focused on the numbers. They're focused on the, how do I optimize my investment return? How do I set up the perfect portfolios and do everything that I'm supposed to be doing? And I think a lot of the times I'm, again, helping them step back and helping them see that personal finance and investing is a lot more than just the numbers. It's a lot more than investment return and all of these sort of things that we're running around trying to find the perfect answer to, a lot of it has to do with feeling and our experience growing up and being around money. And so it's totally different for every single person. And I find myself playing more of a financial therapist role than a stock picker. And I think people appreciate that when I can help them see that choosing an investment is not just about trying to aim for the highest return. It's about making sure that that investment aligns with your goals and seeing what's going to happen, not only during the good times, but inevitably, if you're investing for 10 or 20 years, just like right now in the markets, you're going to face some not so good times. And there's a lot of non-financial aspects of doing it right, especially when there's chaos. So helping people understand the psychology of money and this emotional, experiential, you know, all of these things that go into how we manage our money that are not being talked about because, or not as much as maybe they should be, because there's such a focus on 
beating the S&P 500, the US stock market, or, you know, again, choosing the perfect app or so yeah, I think it's helping people see the 80-20 of personal finance and investing. And I love what you said, because you talk so much to me, I exactly do the same thing as you like have this holistic view and always coming back to what do you want in life? Why are you doing it? How do you want to plan it? And yeah, psychology of money is so important. And often it's only in the bad times that you actually discover that emotions are super important because you may have the best plan, the best thing if you freak out or if you haven't planned properly, maybe your emotions going to take over and you're going to sell at the worst time. So yeah, super interesting to be aware before these kind of things happen. And do you have any common mistakes we have to avoid 100%? Well, some mistakes are actually you can only learn them by making them and going through them. So the investors who are so young that maybe they haven't experienced a 20% stock market decline or a recession or, you know, myself included, I, I didn't have a lot invested in 2008 where I was worried or even understood what was going on. But I think, yeah, people will take advice from their friends or from the internet and they will act on them, whether that's buying meme stocks or Dogecoin or whatever it is that they're doing, aiming for quick riches or trying to, you know, outsmart the market. And then I will remind myself and remind other people that there's always somebody on the other side of your trade or on the other side of your idea, you know, when you're choosing a stock or picking a cryptocurrency. And a lot of the times, those people who are on the other side have billions of dollars in capital, teams of analysts, the best technology in the world trying to do what you're doing, pick the perfect stock or the perfect investment. And I've gone through that mistake where I'm just aiming for, you know, a quick, how can I double my money by picking a stock? I think that's a very attractive way to make money. And then of course, you make that mistake once and it hurts a lot, especially if you put up more money than you maybe should have. And that's a valuable lesson to learn, hopefully early on, and not with a lot of money, but because that's this misunderstanding of risk and reward and people who only want to get the highest possible return don't understand a lot of the times or don't see that to aim for a higher return, a lot of the time you have to add more risk. And that means during times like this, where markets are chaotic, the people who were doing really, really well when the market was just going up are now seeing that investments that go up really fast come down really fast too. So that's always a, a lesson that I think is important to learn. I'm not teaching that directly to my clients, but you know, if I am helping them put together a plan and they still want to continue buying individual stocks and cryptocurrency and things like that on their own, I help them do that and help them put it in more of a strategic plan than just sort of spray and pray. But 
usually that is a lesson that people have learned the hard way yeah (laughs) and it's great to actually take perspective because as you said risk and reward they're always linked and sometimes as well because there's a lot of FOMO and people you hear like amazing stories so you want to do the same you don't really look or you don't really understand the love it and then you get embarked on something that you don't really control so yeah always good to go back to who you are, where you want, where you do it, how you do it, and so on and so forth. So that's great. So just to finish, so you're like a pretty active person and you prepare for the Chicago Marathon this year. So how do you, how is it going and what's your strategy? And do you think the fact that you actually in financial planning, can you apply any of the principles to planning in general? <laughs> Does it work that way? <laughs> yeah, it totally works that way. Thank you for asking this. Yeah, running is something I'm really passionate about. I've been active and I was an athlete all through high school and, and a little in college. And so being active is really important to me, especially the community that you build around running and sports and, and the people you meet along the way. So I ran the Chicago Marathon last year for the first time and had a lot of fun and immediately signed up for it again next year. It's in October. And this year I'm running with a a friend of mine. Some of the biggest differences from last year to this year, because the training is intense. It's about 20 weeks. And each week you are putting in a lot of miles and that increases week over week. So there is this compounding effect where when you get to race day, you basically want to have accumulated a certain amount of miles by then. And if you have done a good job of training and getting in all of the miles that you need to on race day, it's not easy. But when you get to mile 20, you can tell the people who haven't, who maybe skipped a couple of days here and there, and that adds up because compounding is, you know, a powerful force like that. So when you get to mile 20 on race day, the people who maybe skipped some of those workouts are usually the ones who are grabbing for their hamstring and looking very uncomfortable and, you know, limping or, or crawling across the finish line at that point. So there are a lot of parallels between training for a marathon and building wealth over your long, over 10 to 20 years over your life. I think we could, I could sit here and probably give you a lot of them because investing is a marathon, right? Mm -hmm. So the first year I followed my own plan and I was empowered by daily putting in the work and doing the habits and everything that I needed to really cross the finish line on race day. And now a year later in seeing how can I really improve on that time? The first thing I did was bring in a coach. So that's one parallel where you might have gotten yourself to a certain point as an investor, and now you want to aim for something bigger and maybe a little bit scarier. And so what better way to do that than to bring in a coach? So I brought in somebody who's, you know, an experienced professional marathon runner and coach who's helping me put together my training plan. And I'm doing everything that I need to do in the day-to-day, week-to-week 
to really aim for this big, scary goal that I have in October. So yeah, a ton of parallels there. <laughs> so cool. So lots of luck in between now and October, but I'm sure you'll do well. And um, yeah, thank you so much, Anthony, for this discussion. I really enjoyed it. I think financial planning is super important and it definitely makes a huge difference. When you have a plan, know where you're going and know why you're doing it, you're much more prepared to face setbacks and unexpected events. And also reaching your goals is definitely a mood booster. So you may feel pleased with yourself and maybe even proud. And of course, like the sooner you get on board, the better. So I really hope this episode has inspired each of you to act on your personal finances. Thanks so much, Anthony. Take care and um, speak to you soon. Yeah, thank you for having me on. <laughs> Pleasure. Bye. Bye. So at the end of this episode, I hope you're as enthusiastic as I am. You can find the notes and the key takeaways on my website at maricafino.com. And if you like this podcast, please subscribe and spread the word. Thank you.